The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, it's Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host at The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate the principles and practices, concepts and tools, methods and strategies, people and results of workplace visuality, where we celebrate and explore letting the workplace speak. (laughs) I'm really happy to be with you again. You know, in each of our show, we look at some aspect of what that is, of how to embed the intelligence, your intelligence, my intelligence, our intelligence into the operational system, our intelligence about that system into the landscape of work. And we do that through visual devices. That's what the devices are. They're like words in a book. They hold the vocabulary and strung together, they allow us to open that book and learn something and move into a different understanding, a different kind of consciousness. And why do we create an intelligent operational system that is embedded so we can reap the huge business benefits of doing so? 15 to 30% increase in throughput. And you know, if you get a 7% increase, you're already celebrating pizza for everyone. So we do that so we can, so we can improve our business so we can improve ourselves, and so we can enjoy ourselves along the way, so we can enjoy ourselves doing this thing we call work. It used to be we would go to work and we would know that that was drudgery. I remember when my mom went to work, it was always drudgery. She worked a little bit in a factory. She worked as a waitress. She tried to start her own business and and become a bartender. She never drank. She never drank. She never drank, but she wanted to be a bartender. She wanted to have her own business. She wanted to get away from the struggle, or if she struggled, she wanted to own that struggle and own both the joy of it and the, and the difficulties. It was very, very interesting. So in this show, we look at that. We look at how do we create the benefits of ownership, of owning the operation so deeply that we know it and we leave our legacy in the form of visual devices Populating the landscape, just the way we see in the roadways, this language of improvement so that we can all use that space, that environment uniformly and safely, even safely first, and then uniformly, and we can chug along our value field, which when we're in on a highway is the road itself and is the car itself. Get where we're going on time and again safely. 
And that's what we're doing in workplace visuality. We're embedding a language. And on this show, we interview master practitioners, leaders of company, companies who are implementing visuality as a strategic initiative. We interview change agents and CI managers and authors. We're going to be interviewing um, a maintenance shop supervisor and a head of continuous improvement, visual improvement for a plant that has 23 buildings. We're going to be doing that soon, the Lifetime Group. Very, very interesting. It doesn't matter what you make. You'll need visuality if you want to make it right and if you want to make it at the least cost and the most safety and the highest quality and the least distance and the least time. Japanese used to call this least cost means, and I love that. That was one of their uh, barometers of judging the completeness of their improvement process, that it was the least cost means. Everything was the least. You can think of this as the conservation of resources, and I think that's very timely right now. You will need visuality if you make it again and again and again and again, high volume, low mix, or if you don't make it again, if you make it once. Or if it takes you two years, low volume, high complexity, you will still need to keep the production profile. This is a mistake that so many, it's not exactly a mistake, I don't want to sound harsh. It's a misunderstanding that low volume, high complexity uh, manufacturers kind of uh, stumble into. And that is because they don't have repeatability, they can't have visuality. And I think also at some fault is the fact that visuality grew up in the automotive industry, which is very, very high volume, low mix. But in fact, and we saw this at Brandt Engineers when we interviewed them last November, Brandt Engineers, it takes them two years to get through their product mix, and they are using visuality as heroes. I mean, they... The visuality, the visual devices and systems and thinking that is embedded into their plant floor enables them to keep consistent on during these two years, even though tasks are not repeated. And then when they stop, they can use the same visual base, the same level of visual intelligence for their next product. Very high complexity uh, equipment products. You will need the technologies of the visual workplace Whatever your company is, high mix, low mix, hospital, a bank, an engineering office, if it's a retail outlet or dry cleaners, if it's one of those massive manufacturing plants, someone just called today and he literally said, he said, I said, so tell me about your plant. He said, we have 150 improvement um, agents. That means uh, kind of managers. And he said, it's a mile wide. <laughs> okay. Massive, massive plant. In food plants, we have these, and utility plants, we have these massive footprints, these master machines, we call them monuments. They completely dominate the work environment. And most of the time, people don't bring visuality because they don't notice what moves in the environment, what changes. And because they're not looking at visuality as a language, as information. It's fantastically important in these huge plants. That's where you need the detail to make those machines work and work safely and work well. If yours is a military depot or, my favorite, an open pit mine. Oh, can you help us, Gwenny, can you help us do, Dr. Dowlsworth, can you help us do 5S, come over and see us. <laughs> I went down to Texas and they showed me this 
pit that was moving every day. You picked up the floor every day. What a challenge that was. But where we had to bring visuality in that case was certainly not to the to the dirt that we were digging, that we were mining, but deeply <clears throat> to all the peripherals, to everything that supported that. And we needed to keep them connected because we didn't have the floor to hold the pattern of work to keep them connected. Very interesting. Visuality is needed in all these places because I say it again and again, visuality is a language. It is the language of your intelligence deeply embedded into the landscape of work. What you know about the operational systems is embedded into the physical work environment and that enables you to work on that base, if you want to call it your standard base, and build on it and build on it. You're making it hold still. You're making your production system hold still through these visual devices so you you can go through another cycle of improvement. It creates the stability. It creates the next step because you can see it behave. And I really like to think about visual in that way, to see it behave. Anyway, I want to get to the subject of this show, which is going to be about visual metrics, but I want to say a few more things in case you are just... Uh, tuning in to what my orientation about visual is because it is not an array of devices. It is not. A device is not there for us to see abnormalities. I think that is a, an, an important but very limited view of what visuality does. The intelligence of your operational system doesn't get embedded unless you put it there. And this, of course, has huge impact on your business results, your KPIs. Because, you know what, culturally speaking, when your business is successful, people feel successful. They want to be successful. Even in the United, in the United States, we want to be winners. But, you know, visuality also has to do with the sterling opportunity to get smarter about work and leave the legacy of that smartness in the form of visual devices. Think of the roadways, think of the airports, the tarmacs, all the visual devices and mini systems that are intentionally even fiercely put into place, fiercely put into place because we got smarter about safety, quality, speed, cost and the resource we call geography, space. And why shouldn't that happen in every workplace? A space that is designed to minimize struggle and maximize excellence, even when your product takes two years to make or slips in and out of the door before noon. Either way. So today we're going to move to doorway four. Hooray! (laughs) Doorway four out of ten. It's taken us a while, hasn't it? It's called visual leadership, and it has several components. We're not going to be able to get through a complete discussion of this, but visual leadership is made up of four components. I'm going to name three of them now, and then I'll add the four in a moment. Visual metrics, visual problem solving, and visual deployment. Some of you call it Hosh and Conry. So I'm going to try to stay focused on the visual metrics during this, but I'm going to take some detours into the others so that you have a better context of how the heck this stuff works. And I want to say because I'm traveling now, I think I'll be in either India or Australia when this airs. This is a pre-record. So we're recording this episode in advance while the Voice America studio is still within easy reach of me and the very capable Voice America audio technicians. Matt is helping me today. 
But that's not my favorite way to have a conversation, me holding forth, listening to myself, these pre-records. I'd rather you call in and we address the burning issues of your improvement day or tussle with the concepts that I'm bringing to your attention. That's my idea of a good time. I love that. I'm really quite good at it. You ought to try me out. I'm a really, 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 really good implementation coach. And before we get started on the stuff and substance of visual leadership, beginning with visual metrics, I want to remind you to take advantage of the many resources we offer here at Visual Thinking, Inc. That's our new name. We were, we were uh, quality methods up until uh, the end of last year, 2011, here at Visual Thinking, Inc. and the Visual Lean Institute. We have high quality and by plan, very, very affordable resources, training of trainers, books, videos, on-demand webinars, full of content. These aren't just promotional. These are learning webinars, exactly the same material that I use and our affiliates use when they train on site. Big screen webinars for training large groups without having to master the instructional content. Toolboxes full of tools, on-site briefings and consulting, full company conversion, site assessments, and, and, and a lot of my visual workplace, visual thinking seminar. That's the one my blue book is based on. And we have many affiliates in many places in the world who are doing this as well. And one of them may be close enough to you. Check our website out, visualworkplace.com or email us at radio at visualworkplace.com or just right off of the website through a contact list. We really would love for you to get deeply into visual, and we know you need materials. I've spent the last 20 of my 30 years creating materials that you can use instead of me. They're good. They're really good. <laughs> Listen, we'll be back after the break. We'll go on to visual metrics, the first part of Doorway 4. I think you'll find it very, very interesting. That's my hope. I'll see you in a minute. Thanks. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. 
Hi. Hi, it's Gwendolyn again. Gwendolyn Galsworth. I've been working in the field of visuality about 30 years. And we are now, we're marching through the 10 doorways. Uh, we are on doorway number four. We started about six months ago. <laughs> we're in doorway number four. Every now and again, we take some time off and we interview someone else or talk about a related subject. But these doorways really do create the, the uh, foundation for a fully functioning visual workplace. So now on to visual metrics. That's the topic of today. It's the first part of visual leadership. I may have time to get into visual problem solving as well. Let's see what happens. So remember, the one simple reason why a visual workplace is required is because people have too many questions. Some of these questions are asked, but most of them are not. And when people don't ask questions, when they don't ask the questions they need answers to, they need vital answers to, they do one of two things. They either do nothing, they stop, or they make stuff up and they continue. And sometimes that's a problem. The non-visual workplace is flooded with that, with missing answers, with information deficits. And when there are missing answers, remember, there's got to be a lot of the enemy. And the enemy's name is motion, moving without working. Lots of information deficits equals lots and lots of motion. That means lots of struggle, lots of frustration. Everyone in the enterprise has to make a contribution to visuality because it's their language. And also because the war against missing information is impossible to win without the participation of all organizational levels. And I'm not talking about people having to participate 100% night and day, become visual fanatics. But I mean they attend to their immediate, remember this phrase, their immediate need to know, their immediate information deficits. They take care of that. And as we do that, we get these circles of competency, visual competency. They eventually overlap each other. So just take care of your own world. Don't worry about having to help everybody else. Take care of your own need to know. And what do you get? You get this wonderful outcome called control over your corner of the world. That's all we ask for at first. And that's the way the methodology works. And as we saw when we discussed doorway number one, which is visual order, visual inventiveness, what you might call 5S, what I call 5S on steroids, is that value-add associates focus on answering the first of the six core questions, if you remember what they are, and that first question is where. I'll get to the others in a moment. I'm going to add one. They visually answer the where question. They implement visual order. That's very, very robust 5S. They install the visual wear for everything that casts a shadow by applying borders, addressing, addresses, and as applied, ID labels, as applies, as, as requires. You know, you don't ID label an M&M just because it casts a shadow because you're going to consume it. And they will go beyond this. Once they get that stable base and they get this wonderful um, feeling of control, and actually it is control of their corner of the world, they go into customer-driven visuality, which is the need to share. What are my customers? What are my customers' information deficits? And they go into the power levels of visual devices, and they come up with very robust, amazing devices that cut across many of the other doorways. Okay? And they as people come up. So that's what happens with associates. 
When we move on to doorway number four, we're in the domain of managers, executives. This is the executive doorway. Managers, let me put it in order, executives, managers, supervisors, team leads, if you're active in the kind of management function. This is your doorway, and this doorway is the domain of the seventh core question, which is why. So the six core questions are where, that's for associates, and then when, who, how much, or how many, and how. I'm missing one. What? Uh, What? So where, what, when, who, how many, and how, and now we're adding why. Doorway number four visual leadership is the domain of why, okay? I mean, that's a very, very broad characterization of this doorway. Company leadership is responsible for the corporate intent, finding and focusing on targets for strategic growth and tactical improvement, driving those improvements through metrics-based problem-solving, there's your visual metrics, and turning results into operational best practices, creating platforms, So, through doing this, executives and managers and supervisors develop a fresh understanding of how to use the language of visuality to grow and align and, here's the important word, drive the enterprise. They drive the enterprise through visual leadership. And there's a synergy between the core elements. Now, I named three of them. I'm going to add a fourth one now. The four core elements of visual leadership are visual displays, which we already looked at when we tackled doorway three. Visual displays, visual metrics, visual problem solving, and visual deployment, what you call Hoshin. This represents a transformation of thinking and action. It's very important, and I bring these elements together because I don't want you to think about the categories of visual function as being separate, as being yet another thing. Oh, my God, now I have to learn yet another thing. No, it's a language. They're all integrated. They're all integrated. They're all tightly linked. Now, on visual displays, which you learned about, we discussed a few shows ago when we tackled Doorway 3, We were talking about interactive formats or boards that allow companies to make the transition from traditional operations to the new excellence. Visual displays are the glue that hold the organization together as it goes through the challenges of that conversion. They look very different from each other. We're not talking about dashboards. We're not talking about a piece of paper that's laminated to give the daily report. That's hardly even, I mean, I don't even know how to categorize it, even though I know that your boss wants you to do it, and you better do it, (laughs) whoever your boss is. Unless you're the big, 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 big boss, you're going to be doing some of these kind of dashboard things, and they're useful, but you can't make them work beyond their nature, beyond what they are capable of doing. So we have these displays that provide line supervisors and managers with confidence and competency and a tangible control in their ever-changing world of competing priorities. These poor supervisors harried running around. Anyway, I spent a whole show on that. So visual metrics come next. And when I mean visual metrics come next, I mean next. So let me just talk about visual metrics. 
Visual metrics are a different category of measurement. What's particular about them is that they speak a language that is meaningful to me, to you. They name the problem in local terms, and then they drive us down the causal chain. Not exactly the opposite, but an early relative is what I called visible metrics. And so let me explain this because it's important for you to honor and to use what is already useful in your group, you know, in your production process, and not to set it aside. Don't worry. Visual metrics will not add. They will help. And you'll only have one of those per department. You won't have 15 or 20 or 30. I want to make the distinction between metrics that drive visual metrics and metrics that monitor. Your company needs both. But too often we make the mistake of thinking that just because a measure or a metric is visible, they will create change. That tacking them on a bulletin board will create change. It won't. Nothing could be further from the truth. How many departments in your company have metrics that are posted that tell, that tell you how good or how, ba- how bad last week was but nothing really changes, right? You have to kind of make a translation into action and the action reveals how to drive the improvement. But what we want is a metric that drives. Now, I want to tell you of late, the importance of measures, just any kind of measure, is very much in the spotlight because organizations are beginning to realize that they need data that gives them feedback, They need it because they need to reflect on their own performance, but they also need it if they're going to make that data better, create problem solving. You've seen things like the balanced scorecard, KPIs, all of this is instrumental. Measures that are uh, a kind of a template of categories, safety, quality, cost, delivery, environment, KPIs. And they are very important. We're not going to give them up. You can't give them up because your boss reads the landscape through those metrics. They're his, a P&L, her balance sheet. That's the way she sees how the operations are going. But there's so much more we can do, so much more. So you might have, let's just say you have 15 of those KPIs, or maybe you have seven. Let's be a little modest about it. Fifteen depresses me. <laughs> maybe there's 30 on the main bulletin board in your factory, your hospital, your bank. But you have seven. Hopefully they're, they're focused, they're targeted. And they're visible metrics, but they simply monitor performance. They do not drive improvement. Keep those. You keep those. And then working with I'm talking to supervisors, working with your group, you find one, just one, that you're going to drive. What happens with a visual metric? Where are you driving? You are driving down the causal chain. You are driving down the causal chain, and you are illuminating cause. Do you see how that is? You see the difference? In one case, you're monitoring. You've got a 7% defect rate. You are uh, at a 98.2% on-time delivery. You are um, um, uh, 
etc. My brain is blank right now to list a bunch of KPIs. But these KPIs tell you that something has happened. My sensei, Shingo, Shigeo Shingo, uh, said uh, he used to call them the dead bodies. They're just dead bodies. The autopsy is not going to tell you much about, about it. How about if we keep the body alive? Metrics that drive, metrics that are alive. So I want to kind of uh, map out to you what these metrics, how visual metrics are different. And then uh, let's talk about ways to make them useful. And we'll get into some other cool metric uh, pieces that you can add or maybe you're currently doing them. Okay, so I'll see you in a minute. We're taking a short break and I'll be here when you get back. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. So we are now in the midst of a discussion of visual metrics, what they are, why they're important, and how they fit into the doorway called doorway number four, the big construct called visual leadership. Just before the break, I was talking to you about visible measures, measures that collect data but don't actually use them. They simply monitor performance. They re- report back on what, what has just happened. So a visual metric is still a data point. It's a quantum, but it provides feedback on performance with an unwavering focus, and that is to improve that performance and as a result to improve, improve the outcome and as a result to, to improve the metric. A visual metric never collects data unless, that data are, unless those data are going to be used immediately to drive the metric in the direction of improvement, unless action is going to be undertaken at once to improve 
at once. We'll get back to that at once in a moment. Visual metrics do more than monitor performance. They illuminate cause. And then they help us drive down the improvement, the uh, causal chain, until viable solutions are identified and installed. We keep measuring through the installation of our solutions to make sure they actually have an impact. And we like to say you keep going for seven plots, for seven intervals. If your interval is an hour, if it's a day, you actually should really map it across seven days. But the, the way the protocol goes is for seven plots. So if your plot is an hour interval, after seven plots, it ought to be pretty stable. But I think that that's a little bit tricky. So, again, in far too many companies, people collect data that gives, simply gives them feedback on performance. And they spend a lot of time analyzing them, data mining, trying to figure out what it means. So you can continue doing that. But what we want is a more dynamic data, uh, data collection. Visual metrics are different because, for one thing, they are in the voice of the user. So instead of talking about percentages, we're talking about absolute frequency. Instead of saying that we have a 7% either improvement or decrease, uh, uh, decrease in, or increase in our our, me- our defects, I beg your pardon, let me say that sentence again. Instead of saying that we have a 7% increase in defects, we say how many? How many defects did we make? And if we can get more specific, we do. By more specific, I'm going to give you another characteristic. They're in the voice of the mo- user, they drive, and they are segmented. They're segmented. We go, I like to say it this way, we ask ourselves, what's in that dot? So we have a graph and there's a little dot that says defects have increased. And we look at the seven mark. Oh, my goodness. We have seven more defects. But what we want, and there's a little dot on the graph. Maybe it's computer generated. There's a little computer generated dot on the graph. We've increased our defects. Oh, well, that's going in the wrong direction. But what we want to do is we want to explode the dot. We want to know what's in that dot. We want to segment. And supervisors and managers, if you're listening to me now, that's all you have to do to get started on visual metrics, metrics that drive. Pick one metric out of all the 15 or 20 that you are supposed to collect. Pick out one. You don't even really have to confer to, with your associates except to say, hey, guys, I'm going to try something new. I want to try, I want to find a metric that drives. I want us to go for a ride. I want us to go down the causal chain together. What are you talking about, boss? You sound crazy, they say back. You're as goofy as ever, <laughs> Says, say, say the people in your department. But you know what? We like you, so okay, we'll, we'll, we'll ride that pony. And you pick out one metric because you know that all metrics are linked that this is a system that metrics and an operational and a company, an operation, operational floor and a company is a dynamic system. And you touch one part, it's like touching one string on a violin. They all resonate. You touch one metric, you're going to be touching everything. It'll take you a while, but you're still going to be touching everything. So you pick one metric. Maybe it's defects. Defects tend to be kind of gluey. They, lots of things stick to it. 
and you go into, okay, guys, we're going to do defects. But here's what I want to do. I want to segment that seven into some other categories. What do you mean, boss? Well, I mean, we're going to kind of sort them in different ways. For example, when we look at that seven, one of the things that we can do is segment them based on what we see as the cause of the defect. Maybe there was a, a bent part. Maybe there was a cosmetic scratch. Maybe there was an, an inaccuracy in, in size or whatever, an irregularity. So we can segment it in that way. But we could also segment, for example, based on another set of attributes or category, on time. When did the defect happen? And I'll tell you why we're going to be doing that. And I'm going to give you now this third piece. You want your metric to illuminate cause. You need to drive down the causal chain, but you need to have that illuminated. You need to have your, your, your headlights on. You want your metric to illuminate cause. So if we go, maybe it's better to go after the defect rate based on the kinds of defect, but we could also look at a contributing factor, which would be time of day or station. Or maybe we segment it because we have such a broad product line. We begin by segmenting by model. And later on, we can get more granularity and we can drill down and sub-segment. But you segment. When you get a lot of trust and when people see these metrics are interesting and they enable us to illuminate cause and illuminate our work and take the struggle out, they'll eventually let their name be up there and say, let's segment it by person because this has to do with skill. This particular defect has to do with skill. So let's segment by person. But you have to wait for the right moment to that ha- for that to happen. You certainly don't begin there. You build interest in the form, interest in the approach. People become scientists of their process. So this is a visual metric where you're engaging people directly into the exploration of why the metric happened. What, what is in those seven defects? Why is this happening? And you embrace it and you, you hug it and you run with it and you take it to lunch. Becomes very interesting. Tracking performance is not the same as improving it. Metrics that monitor simply tell you how bad you are. You've been very bad. Very, very bad. Or how good you are. You've been very good. Let's have a pizza. But you know what? We're adults. We want to know more than that. We're sick of pizza. <laughs> Okay, so you can display the results of your key performance indicators, and they're usually going to be computer-generated, not easily read, published weekly, slapped on a board. While this can provide a very useful snapshot of current weekly and, God help us, monthly quarterly conditions, their use as improvement drivers is very limited. They are visual but they are not, they are visible. I don't even uh, uh, entitle them visual. I reserve that for more uh, lofty outcomes. They are visible, they are visual, but they don't drive. 
Visual metrics are always tied to action. As soon as the data expresses an abnormality, I'll use your word, people act to correct it because they can see it. And if there is an interval between knowledge and action, it is as narrow as possible. Corrective action is taken, the word I used before, at once, immediately. Because of this at once requirement, a visual metric is collected at close intervals every hour, hour after hour, even in 15-minute increments or exactly as the data occurs. Hey, I found one. Oops, somebody. Hey, I got a, I got a defect here instantly. So at the incident when it happens. Daily data, daily data collection is not close enough for visual metric because you know what? The data is dead. If it's a weekly, daily, weekly, it's already dead. Well, daily maybe, but weekly is really a stretch. An effective visual metric will always, almost always, provide internal points of comparison. This is another characteristic. And by the way, I'm writing my book on this now. I could give it to you one, two, three, four, but I want it to be more of a conversation so you listen to it and you just, so you, you'll derive the points out of. I'm on my sixth point now. You can go back and listen to this again and get the other five. They, an effective visual metric will always provide an internal point or points of comparison. Something like previous versus now, planned versus actual, standard versus abnormality. These points of comparisons allow us to notice a problem as it occurs and they provide the start point for the pursuit of root cause. And this isn't going to be root cause. There are so few plants that have enough elegance in their operational system to go after root cause. I don't even know why we use the language anymore. You go through a system of causes. But we'll talk about that when we get to visual problem solving, the next part of doorway number four. So I want to go back to the... Ah, I want to have a break. I'm getting a very clear signal that it's time for a break. So please come back and we'll talk about a little final things about um, displaying these metrics, some things I want to talk about, um, status metrics, and also who owns it. And we'll finish up the show there. Thanks. Please come back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. So we're talking about visual metrics, and I ho- I'm hoping you see the roundness of this. Visual metrics is one part of the visual leadership function, this category of visual function that includes visual metrics, visual problem solving, and visual deployment, which is your Hoshin, and is preceded by giving supervisors a a, a sense of control over their corner of the world through visual displays. These are wonderful when they work together. The whole organization just lifts. It's liftoff. And it's it's such a relief. And it's an integrated approach. So just before the break, we were talking about uh, illuminating cause and uh, and tracking it. And what we're doing when we illuminate cause, I hope you, you understand that, is we are paving the way for problem solving. And when we talk about problem solving, I'm going to really be talking to you about standard making. Because when we solve a problem, our focus needs to be on improving our standards. Because those elements that we call cause are simply steps, are simply components of an improved standard. Okay, we improve cause, we improve our standard. That is the true focus of metrics, visual metrics, and of the problem solving that's part of this doorway. So, when you're visual, a couple of other things about visual metrics. They're always prominently, unless it's private material, they're always prominently posted for all to see and consider. You want them to be large. You do not want them on a printout. You want them better to be on a messy piece of paper stacked up there and made interesting to be in real time. Operators can put the information uh, in place as a data incident uh, happens or if they're tied to their, their bench, then they can just signal, hey, I got one. You can use your and on lights for that. You can have a little flag that comes up. That's fine. But they get posted and they, they are messy because they're alive and they're dynamic and we're driving them. Please do not put them into the computer. You can create a, a computer-generated template, but let them be real. Because as soon as you build in a computer, the necessity of a computer, you are slowing down the time and they're becoming sluggish. So the impact of all of this is visual metrics are used to focus daily improvement efforts. They are segmented by cause so that they illuminate cause and you can track them and you can drive improvement. They you drive down the causal chain. You jump on one of these metrics and you start driving. And you get to this kind of multivariate cause because there's no such thing as root cause, as I said before the break, in most, in most organizations. And to think that there is, 
is to go down the wrong path because, in fact, you need multivariate solutions. We'll be talking about A3 and visual problem solving the next time I pick this up, which I think will be in the next show, so they're close together. Now, remember, your executives and managers and supervisors own the metric, the visual metric. But right now, they own this, and they want them to link and align into a set of corporate or even global metrics that capture local equivalents on every organizational level. One of the things that I believe is largely misunderstood about the whole leadership piece is that executives really need to decide which methodologies are coming into the door and how to track them. This, I believe, is part of the executive function. They can get recommendations from their managers, but executives need to decide which methodologies, which improvement methodologies come into the door. It's crucial that this be vetted and carefully discussed and carefully uh, uh, decided because, for example, with metrics, metrics, these visual metrics are the voice of the voice that executives will make their decisions on. It is the voice of the local area, the voice of the operational floor, the voice of marketing. There's all kinds of ways to use this in marketing and purchasing. You use the same model. You don't just keep your KPIs about how many sales did you make, who are your new customers, your new quotes. You dive into it. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful Hoshin. When you get these kind of metrics, they become Hoshin. Hoshin meaning they give you the compass. That's what Hoshin means. Hoshin Conroy means shiny, shiny compass. They show you the way. Show me the way. Show me the way. And that's why metrics are... Even though they're used on the local level, they are, they are designated on the highest level of the organization. You need to have that step down. You need to have it. If you don't have that step down, you won't have the granularity in a voice that is meaningful enough. Now, on the local level, yes, people will own their metric in a shop floor, in a maintenance shop, in an assembly area. But the designation of that metric, the fact that there will be a metric that drives, is a senior management decision. That's where the standard comes in. There will be metrics that drive. I need these 30 metrics that monitor, but every department needs one metric that drives. One metric that drives. This is an executive order. A lot of differences. And, you know, in terms of implementing this, I have a few more things to say that I'll, I'll, I'll say for the next show. I want to just mention status metrics to you, but I don't want to do it right now because we're focused on this piece. Is you, you begin, when you implement, you find one area with a friendly supervisor. The plant manager says, you know what, we're going to have a metric that drives. I want you to work with your group and let's figure out how to do that in one area of the plant. Not of the whole plant. You don't know how to do it yet. You have to learn how to do it. Let's figure out how to do it, a metric that drives. Would you take it on, George? I'm looking for a volunteer, George. Could that be you? I like your area. People are rambunctious there. You got a good rapport. If you damage them, they're just going to make you say you're you're sorry, make you say sorry and not punish you. (laughs) The first group is always a casualty of your own learning. So you find the area and you figure out how to segment cause, how to drive it, how to illuminate cause. 
there are all kinds of great tools for that. The relations diagram we'll be talking about when we get when we get to uh, visual problem solving. But you segment in a way that makes sense to you right now. You'll get smarter as it gets smarter. So I'd love for you to try that. I'd love it. This is a real action assignment. Supervisors and managers, and you know, if you're self-directed teams or you have strong teams, if I'm talking to the people at Vibeco, if you're listening, Vibeco Vibrators in Rhode Island, a little plant of about 50 people, you can make this work for you right now because you have the infrastructure and you have the mental clarity. You know what your job is. You're improvement drivers. So this could help you. Don't just track performance drive performance that's what this is about and then when what, what will happen in the next i think it'll take us two shows is that we'll do visual problem solving next time and talk about marrying the metric to uh, a more um uh, more a deeper deeper exploration of cause that you're going to capture either on an a3 which has limited uh, capability in this regard for chronic complex problems or through post-its, I'll give you a format for that. And then, and then we'll go to um, the Hoshin, the visual deployment piece, which I think will take a whole nother show. I hope you find this interesting. It is so such a pleasure for me to share this with you. I, I would love to hear from you. You know, you guys owe me an email. I've been talking now for seven months. Has it been five or six months? And I want some emails. I've gotten about ten of them. I want more. Okay. So please let me hear from you. I'm your friend, and I want to help out. I'm here to help. And uh, this is the Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm going to sign off now for the day, and I look forward to the next time. You bet I do. Thanks very much for listening. We appreciate your joining us this week for the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 